Let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord, help us today. Guide us into your will, into this space where you're calling us. Help us have faith that comes from you, overcomers by your faith, by your purpose. We surrender ourselves to it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, it is about that time. Any, any basketball players in the house? Any basketball player? Abby? Well, come on up. You a basketball player? Come on up. Well, who else? Who else? Basketball player. Oh, Brian Stewart, you caught my eye. Come on up. Come on. Come on. No, 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 no. I mean up here. I mean up here. Come on. I mean up here. Yeah. Come on, Brian. Come on, man. You're holding up the whole church service, brother. Come on. Come on, sweet Lou. Come on, Stu. Come on up. You shouldn't have done anything. Just come on. All right. I dressed up in my best college professional basketball look today as coach. Did you guys know this is about to happen? We're doing a three-on-three Christway basketball team. And no, 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 no. Three-on-three Christway basketball team, and today, we're going to have tryouts today. I won't really need, I won't, I won't. What you doing, man? No. You're the enemy. Go sit down. Go sit down. Christway is playing in the church league, and our opponent is Recharge. Church. All right, all right. Now, we're going to have tryouts today. Now, we don't really need this. We don't really actually need this right now. Uh, here's, here's, here's what I need to tell you. We're playing three on three. So we got our three. We're going to see if this is it. And we're playing Recharge Church. And their team is Big Daddy and Eli and AJ. Okay? All right, all right, right. You guys in? Okay, here we go. Come on now, here we go now. Now, we got to get a good team here, okay? So here's the deal. I just, a couple things for the tryout. We don't really need the basketball right now. Uh, I just need to ask you this. Uh, are you afraid of playing those three guys in three on three? No? No? No. Perfect. All right. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Not afraid to play, not afraid to play you three. I hope you recorded that on the YouTube. All right, so we just got one more thing to do. Just one more thing. Just try out just one more thing. I just need you to, I just need you to take a drink. Take a drink of that, please. Just, just a quick drink. Okay, you put the cap on it. One second. What do you think? Okay, all right. Y'all good? You're in. You take a seat. We'll talk to you more about it later, okay? Appreciate you. Okay? You guys are in. Thank you. Yeah, we'll talk to you more about it later on. You're on the squad. Do you know there's a story that happened just exactly like that in the Bible? Go to Judges chapter 7 with me. It happened almost exactly like that, frankly. 
basketball and all. Judges chapter 7. It says, early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all of his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. And the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. In order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her, announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. Anyone who trembles with fear may turn around and leave. So 22,000 men left and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I'll sift them for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouths and all the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I'll save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. What just happened up here is my representation of what we just what we just read. They were in the house. They were in the building. They were called there. And then there was a moment where they're called to action. Now there's a backstory here. You see, Gideon is calling all these people because the Midianites were a lot of folks. 135,000 Midianites were across the plain, 135,000. At best, Israel had 33,000, which dropped down to, to 10, which dropped down to 300. God sets this up, and Gideon has an angel show up to him. This angel shows up. He says, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, who are you? Who, who are you looking for? <laughs> You're not looking for me. In fact, the scripture reads several times, Gideon was very polite. He said, pardon me? Another thing said, pardon me? You're the man. You're the, you're the warrior. You're a mighty man of valor. You're a warrior, the angel says to him. And he's like, pardon me? Literally, that's what it says. <laughs> You're going to save them. And then he's like, well, well, well pardon, pardon me again. Why have we been in this place all this time? He's a very polite guy, if nothing else. But an angel had to show up. And then he has a fleece. And he heads to the Lord and he says, I'd like to lay something out if I'm your guy. I'd like to lay something out. Dry, wet. If it's not too much trouble, pardon me. If it's not too much, can we switch it and go wet, dry? And all this happens before this moment in Judges 7. A lot of times we think we're disqualified because of our uncertainty. A lot of times we feel like we get one shot at this thing. That's not true. 
It's not a one-shot deal. We, something can come to us. God can call us, talk to us, speak to us, draw us in. It is normal and probably expected that we just, we're like, you meant who? Who'd you mean? And we might even think of other people that do it better. Gideon said, I'm the lowest of the low tribes. I'm not your guy. You're in the wrong part of town here. I'm not your guy. But he says, oh, no, go. You, in fact, are. And so we find ourselves in chapter 7. He's 32,000 men versus 135,000. That's not super good. That's four to one. But I was thinking of this movie I saw. Tom Cruise was in this movie, and he's about to get in a fight with four guys. And he stood there, and he looked at them. He's like, well, it's four to one. You're going to win? He goes, really, it's only two to one. Two to one? How do you figure? Well, you're the lead guy. I'm going to take you out. And then there's always somebody else that feels froggy. And once I knock him out, the other two run. (laughs) So when you got four to one, maybe it's only two to one, and maybe you can get the job done, Jack Reacher. Okay? But 450 to one? Those Those aren't good odds. The first thing that was asked is if you're afraid. One translation says, if you tremble with fear. The message says, if you're afraid and you have any qualms at all. That's a whole different deal, isn't it? That's a whole different circle. If you have any qualms about this at all. I asked our three panelists today. I think they were more nervous about coming on the platform than playing recharge is what I think. You afraid of playing Arnick and AJ and Eli? Have you seen those guys in the back? Have you seen? Yeah. They were counting on you to play music for them while they play. Dun, 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 dun. Have you seen those dudes jump? Know what you got to say. I know. <laughs> me too, me too. Solidarity, me too. Are you afraid? 22,000 people went home. Last week we talked about the fear of the Israelite armies. And David shows up with faith because of moments of understanding. He's like, these hands have touched a bear. These hands have touched a lion. We've done things in prayer. We've been called to places in our communion with Jesus. Every one of us have mile markers of God moving. And if we look at that, then we can step into the valley of Elah. Knowing that I come in the name of the Lord of hosts, Chris Tomlin and the message sing it as the God of the angel armies. I come in the name of the God of the angel armies. And so whatever was going on, we've got 10,000 people that are standing here, and they're like, I'm in. Whether they were believing in the faith of Gideon or they'd had their experience, they're in the game. What we need to recognize right up front is as God is calling us into stuff, and he's calling every one of us into spaces of service, no exceptions, no exceptions. You're not too young. You're not too aged. You're not too rich. You're not too poor. You're not too smart. 
You're not too ignorant. Everybody is called in to a space that God has for you. But here's what I need to tell you and what I have to be aware of in my own life. Fear causes us to self-select out. Fear. God is setting it up. You're here, invited you to the stage. Here you are. And fear, some of y'all were like, my God, I'm glad he didn't call me. Okay, you ready for the bad news or the good news? He called you. Yeah. You're called. Called to be in that space. And what is deep on my heart to share with you and encourage you with, it's fear that causes us to self-select out. 22,000 leave the mountain. I've been thinking about those 22,000 this week. You see, they didn't, I don't know if they knew this was a tryout. You see, if we call a, a basketball team tryout and I'm standing and I toss you a basketball, that's one thing. But we're standing here for a basketball tryout and I ask you a question. I give you a, I give you a bottle of water. That's your tryout. You don't even know. Most of us don't, we're not aware. Most of us aren't even aware of these moments where God is asking us, giving us a tryout, checking us out. I would anticipate that over the last three weeks, I felt it in my spirit to lead us into prayer. I have no idea who all participated because it was in a format such that you could go on demand. You could listen to it later. There were times I left this room and listened to it in my truck going to where I needed to go because I couldn't stay the whole time. There were folks that watched it on the way and then they got here. There were folks that did it and weren't in the room at all, ever. So I don't have any idea the level of participation, but something does feel in me like it was a tryout. Like God was calling us to be into some place of, can you do this? What's the block? Is there fear? What's going on? What's the hindrance to being called into this space? The guys that left the mountain, they weren't kicked out of Israel. They weren't kicked out of Israel. They were still in the Israeli army. They were, they were still there. They didn't like have to rip off their insignia and go home. They just left. They just went home. But I wondered. I wondered. They left because of fear. Did they take their fear with them? Did they carry their fear with them? Or was it once they were off the mountain, out of sight, out of mind? I just don't think that's how that works. Because there were still 135,000 Midianites out there. That now they were entrusting it, just like the soldiers of Saul and Israel, now they were trusting it, to what, 10,000? Soon to be 300? The armies of Israel trusted it to a teenager. That's where they were. Trusted all of their future. Trusted the difference between freedom and bondage to a teenager. I just wonder as they were walking down the hill, 22,000 of them, if they were like, man, Whew, got out of that. Really? Are we out of that? Because there's still 135,000 people sitting out there waiting on us. And we take our fear with us. 
Is that an effective spiritual warfare technique? No. No way. No way. No way. Out of sight, out of mind. Don't think about it. It's not happening. It's happening. We're not doing a three-on-three Christway basketball team, and Les Arnick and I talk about it later than he wants to. We're not doing that. But you know this spiritual warfare game? It's on. The spiritual warfare game is on. We can act like it's not on, but it's on. We can act like got through that, ducked that one, slipped around here, made it through. It's still on. God is calling every one of us into a space of prayer and service. You see, ultimately, we know the end of this story if you read through the rest of chapter 7. They're freed. It goes from... It, 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 it goes from the 32,000 and 22,000 leave. you got 10,000 guys left. And then they did this odd drinking water thing, which is really controversial, actually. When you study it, it's, I mean, the first two are different, everybody a different opinion. Did they, did, they, did they take a knee and pull up here? Was that the deal? Did, were they just so into it, they just, like a dog, and then can your nose even do that? I mean, all kinds of odd little that's super controversial, but do you know what's not controversial? We read it. God said, I'm going to tell you who's going, and I'm going to tell you who's not. That's not under controversy, because he said it. What we acted out here was I had them drink the water, and we all watched, and then I'm turning, and I'm like, how do you want it to be? What do you want? God said, I will tell you who's going and who's not going. But he could only say that to the people that decided to stay. The people that left because of fear already self-selected out. He can only work with what remains. And those folks that left, you you see, they were going to be freed nationally. They were going to be freed. They were going to be corporately free. Like, it was going to happen. Those 135,000 Midianites, every single one of them died. Every single one of them. That was the prophecy. They would all, Gideon would take them, they're all gone, gone. Every single one. So those folks that left, they were freed nationally. They were freed corporately, but their lives were not going to be changed personally. And that's what I'm calling us for. So many times I have, I'm sure you have, we ride the wave of someone else's prayer. We ride the wave of someone else's walk with God. We, we ride the wave of someone else's worship. Now, let me be super clear. Sometimes we actually need to do that. I've mentioned to people, please show up. They're like, I don't feel like coming to church. Exactly why I'm asking you to show up. I don't feel like singing. Didn't tell you to sing. I didn't even encourage you to sing. I just wanted you to show up and let other people singing lift your spirit. I just wanted you to show up. You can sit there. You can sit any place in this building. And just let the prayers of people and the worship and the singing just begin to buoy up your spirit. Because I believe in things spiritual. Just let that happen for you. And then there is a time where we just coast off of everyone else. They were freed, but they weren't changed. God calls us into service to change us. He calls us into service so we can be changed. I said it several weeks ago about the 21 days of prayer. I said, if you weren't 
participating if you're just like, I'm not doing it, I'm not going to do it. Okay. That person, which has been me before, I just didn't participate. That person doesn't even know they weren't changed because it's just nothing that happens. You just don't even know what could have been. And so in this moment, they choose to stay or not stay, and then God chooses. You see, God chose Gideon. He showed up and selected Gideon. Does anybody have any moments like that? Does anybody have any moments where you know, you believe, you know, God talked to you. God talked to you. Like called you into something. Like, hey, you're my guy. Hey, you're going to be my gal today. Like, you're the one. There's a whole lot of people. I know, I, yeah, yeah. But you're, you're the one. God talking to you. Have you had that happen? Because I want to rekindle that for you today. I want to help you with that today. The church of God needs that today. This church needs that today. Needs those moments where God is calling and talking and dropping words in us. Where he shows up to Gideon who says of himself, I am the least of all. I'm from the worst tribe there is. Can't be me. Well, it is if I say it's you. And I say it's you. In fact, I show up saying mighty man of valor. And you can read it closely because Gideon has all these things that he wants to say just like we all do. All these things. And you know what that angel says to him? Leads with this. Uh, go. <laughs> That's what he said. Leads with go. Like, I get it, all that, yeah, yeah, go. Because I've said this is how it will be. So God chooses, and then we choose, and then God chooses again. Acts 9 tells a similar story. You might want to turn there with me. As I'm thinking about God choosing, and then our choosing, and this back and forth in what makes it super Natural. That's what supernatural is. Supernatural is the intersection between natural and super. And those come together. We say yes. God says yes. There's a choice. There's a partnership. There's an intersection. And things spiritual happen. We need it. Acts 9 tells this story of Ananias and Saul. I'm going to read. It's just too good to not, not read right through. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. This brother was out for blood. He was serious business. He had the documentation, he had the drive and the determination, and he was coming after you. Now, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, and it said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And that voice, he, he asked, and then he says, who are you, Lord? He says, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now get up. Go into the city. You'll be told what you must do. You think that's God making a choice? Huh? This old boy is coming in here to hurt us. And God stops him out here on Center Street. He's got stuff in the car. He's headed our way. 
And God stops him. Not somebody else. He says, who are you, Lord? And that voice says, I'm Jesus. Whom, by the way, just a chapter or two earlier, Stephen looks up and he says, I see Jesus, the right hand of God. As Saul is standing there watching all that, he said, that's ridiculous. That's not Jesus. And then he gets a Jesus moment. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard a sound, but they didn't see anyone. So Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see. He got up from the ground, but he was blinded. They led him, wow, they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days, he was blind. He didn't eat or drink anything. God chose him. God chose him. But it doesn't happen alone. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. And yes, Lord, he says, he answers. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Ask for this man from Tarsus named Saul. Because he's praying. And in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Ananias answers with some questions like Gideon had. Gideon's like, mighty man of valor? Well, you know, I, I, he like pulls out his wallet and shows his dry, like, not me, man. Looks at his bank account, not me. Pulls out his diploma or lack thereof, not me. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man. All the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. Do you see? That's a moment where you can be afraid. He wasn't walking in like, bring it on. Where is he? I don't care. Who is it? No, he knows exactly what he's walking into. He said, I've heard about this old boy. He's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Do you see that there is an intervention with Jesus in the calling? Anybody talking to Jesus? Anybody talking to Jesus? He's talking to you. You're in these moments. It happens everywhere. It happens in our homes. It happens in our cars. It happens in this church. He's talking to us. The Lord says to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and the kings and the people of Israel. He said, I'm going to show him how much he has to suffer for my name. So Ananias goes to the house. He enters in. He places his hands on Saul. He says, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ready for this, everybody? Let's say it. Immediately. Immediately. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. You see, sometimes it's 450 to 1 in God's economy. And sometimes it's one-on-one -on -one in God's economy. And a lot of times we can look at the 450 and say, I can't do 450, but I could, do, I could probably do five. Sometimes we can't do one. Sometimes we have such fear about even doing one. But whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, Larry, you don't need this part of the message because you have no fear one-on-one. -on -one. Larry will talk. Larry, there's more people come to this church because I said, how'd you, how'd you get here, Larry? I said, how'd you get here? Larry, talk to me. Where were you? We were in a waiting room at a hospital. I was in a 
parking lot, a Casey's. I like, Larry, you don't need this part. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody's like that, or can we? I believe we can. I believe we can. I believe God can prompt us and call us. And we can walk up to someone which is just as scary as 450 to 1. But you walk up to them. And I love this too because he chose Ananias and told Saul about it before Ananias even said yes. But Ananias put faith above fear and he went to Damascus. Clearly, the scripture helps us see, clearly he was concerned. He was concerned, but he put faith above fear. You see, fear freezes us while faith frees us. Faith frees us. I was thinking about this, the actual work. The actual work from Ananias in the 300, anyone can do. Why don't you all come up? The actual work that Ananias did, the actual work that the 300 did, that's something anybody can do. Verse 17, if, do you have that there? We could look that up again and look at verse 17. Look at this. Ananias went to the house and he entered it. Placing his hands on Saul. This is all he did. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road, as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't even know if that's a prayer. Is that, I don't even, I'm not sure that's, there's not even an amen on the end of that. Like, I don't even know that's a prayer. He puts his hand on him. I love how he leads. Oh, I love, you know, Ananias is my hero in the Bible, you know. Yeah. I don't know that you'll ever get this question on Jeopardy, but if you do, my two heroes in the Bible are a teenage girl and this Ananias. The teenage girl, because she said, be it unto me according to your word. I know it's impossible, but if you said it, I'm in. And this guy, because he walked up to this hedonistic thug And he led with brother. I love Ananias. He led with brother. He was afraid. We read about it. But he put faith above fear. And he walks up to this guy. And think about how scared Saul was. Come on, I'm, I'm reaching for you right now. Think about how scared he was. You see, he wasn't a tough guy anymore. He hadn't eaten in three days. He was blind. I don't care how big you are. If you're asleep, I can take care of you. When you're asleep, you're vulnerable. When your eyes are shut and you're asleep, we can take care of you. He was vulnerable. He was sitting there praying, it says. He said, I've talked to him and he's in Damascus praying. Do you get the picture of that ruffian? How aggressive, how vicious, how confident he was. Had the letters. And now he's literally blind. He hears footsteps and he doesn't have any idea what's about to happen. And he hears the door and the steps come in and he's blind and he hasn't eaten and he's praying and he's absolutely vulnerable. So can I help you with this? Because it helps me. People that we're so afraid to speak to are feeling so vulnerable. In the name of Jesus, hear me. 
Hear me. The people that we are afraid to speak to are feeling so vulnerable. And Ananias comes up and he says the magic word. Brother. Brother. And I project what Saul had to be feeling in that moment. You hear the steps talk. You don't know if you're going to be hit in the head. You don't know if you're going to take a knife to the chest. You don't know what's happened. Punched in the face. You don't have any idea what's going on. And then you hear these words. Brother. I wonder what happened in him. Ananias puts his hands on him. Doesn't even start a prayer. He said, I'm just here to pray over you that you see and you'll be filled with the spirit and instantly he was healed. Instantly. I don't know how many people God asked before Mary said yes. Most of us assume she was the first try. But I've been pastoring long enough to know people don't always go on the first try. I've been living long enough to know People don't always go on the first try. I don't know how many people he went to before Ananias. Maybe he was the first one. All he did is go up. Basketball team. Elliot, Abby, Brian, you passed. You stayed in the game and you drank the water right. What if drinking water was the thing that caused you to pass? Who could do it? Pretty sure everybody could do it. I'm pretty sure Isaiah James can do it. Drink water, son. You see, the army of Gideon that was 300, do you know the exploits that they did? The exploits of that army... Let me read them to you. Ready? Broke a pitcher, blew a trumpet, held up a light. Amazing army right there. See, anybody can do the deliverance part because it's God that does the deliverance part. Anybody can be in that space. Break a pitcher, blow a trumpet, and hold up a light. And victory, deliverance. So who can't do that? I can go downstairs at Christway Kids. I can go to the student gathering this afternoon, give them a picture. Maybe we should do that. Here's a picture. Here's a trumpet. Here's a light. Let's see. You're in. Because you see, that's not the battle. The battle is, are you afraid to go? Are you afraid to go? Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Come on, say it with me. Out of your heart. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come upon me, they stumble. And they fall. The war rise against me. My heart will not fear. (laughs) These things rise up. 
The psalmist says this, in this will I be confident that the Lord is my life and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. I will be confident in that. Whether I am standing on that mountain and I have a choice to leave or stay, whether I'm called to walk across the room and talk to one person, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In this, I'll be confident. I heard them singing this this morning from my office. And I told Arnick, I said, you have to sing it again. This is a song we've been singing for years. This might